0: Welcome to Black to the Beginning, the Black Adoption Podcast, where we are amplifying the Black adoption conversation with Black adoptee voices and Black families at the center. We're your hosts, Dr. Sam
1: and Sandria, two Black adoptees adopted by Black families still trying
0: to make sense of our adoption journeys. We have all been touched by adoption, whether we realize it or not. You just don't hear our stories until now.
1: Every birth has a story. So let's let's go go Black
0: Black to to the the Beginning. Beginning. We are back with another episode of Black to the Beginning, the Black Adoption Podcast. I'm Dr. Sam. And I am Sandria. And we just are really excited about our guest tonight. The reason why we're so excited is because her story is going to really tap into the historical aspects of adoption for the Black community. When we think about how Black folks have been adopting for years, which is adopting their kin, we haven't been having those conversations. And we really want the opportunity to talk about that tonight. Our guest <laughs> with us tonight is Tanya Miner.
2: Hey, Tanya. Hey, ladies. How you all doing? we
0: good. It? Thank you. Welcome.
2: Thank you all for having me.
0: Absolutely. So, Tanya, please just kick us off with your story. How did you come into adoption? Tell us about your Black adoption experience.
2: Well, it actually started uh, before I adopted my nephew. When I was younger, I had a cousin that went into the system. I was too young to do anything about that. I didn't understand everything that was going on. And it kind of like always like stuck with me. And I was like, you know, when I get older, if somebody is to go in the system, I want to be able to help. Jordan is my brother's uh, son. The mom lost him and her other children to the system. So Jordan was in foster care for about a year. When he was born, I was at the hospital. He was one pound nine ounces. So I did bond with Jordan. And then we lost contact when he got put into the system because my brother was incarcerated at the time. The DNA test hadn't been done. I had no rights or anything. I was on my way to the doctor for a checkup and I was basically born east And uh, Jordan and his foster mom at the time was, like, coming west down the street. And I'm walking, and I'm like, that looks like my nephew. And I stopped her, and I said, excuse me. I said, this is my nephew. I started crying. He's looking at me because he remembered. By now, he's 18 months, and I hadn't seen him since he was six months. She was like, he know you. And I'm like, yeah, this is my nephew. I'm like, you know, I lost contact with him. You know, he was in the system and there was nothing that I do about it. They wouldn't give me any information. And she was like, you're the auntie. We've been hearing about you, but no one knew how to get in uh, touch with you. And it went from there. Uh, She opened up her home, told me that I can uh, see him when I wanted to. Then she did visits because she's a foster mom. She likes to keep the families together. That's her goal. So she started doing visits uh, with his mom through the, through the and everything. I asked, could I start coming to the visits? And they was like, they didn't have no problem with it. You know, like if the mom didn't have a problem with it. So it went from there, but she and mommy ended up getting her rights terminated. Uh, long story short, my brother's scientist rights over. So I ended up still doing visits with uh, Jordan. We went through the process. It was like day visits, then they turned into overnight visits, and then I end up going through the process for him to come and live with me. He was still in the foster care system, but I got licensed to be a relative, licensed to uh, foster. Then I did the uh, paperwork, went through the process of the adoption, went to court. The Children's Place Agency is where he was placed. They have a contract with uh, DCFS. They was wonderful. They basically took care of everything, you know, but they did come just because I was auntie. He didn't just get placed place for me. Oh, this is auntie. Put him there. So it did not go like that. Uh, I had to go through everything that probably a stranger would have had to go through. At the time, I had some personal things in my life that I had to cut off because I believe that that would have interfered with me getting Jordan so You know, I'm going to pick my blood, okay? (laughs) So I did what I had to do, and he came with me in 2013. We went to court in 2016, but his adoption was finally finalized in January of 2017. So we've legally been a family, you know, since then. I call myself Mom T.
1: Um,
2: (laughs) Yeah, because I do both. But Jordan, you know, he does know that he's adopted. I could never replace his mom. And I would never try to do that. And yeah, so that's the, the gist of it.
1: Right. <laughs> <Like> we're <laughs> both here. I know y'all can't see us. We're just both here. Because first of all, you walking down the street. Right. And you bump into your nephew. Take us mm-hmm. back to what was happening in your life prior to that chance meeting were you even thinking about motherhood or or anything like that what was going on in your world before this happened
2: okay before this happened i oh lord i gotta bring this up i was married the marriage wasn't what it should have been so uh, i was going through a lot of things issues with that then i had a couple of health issues and to this day, I still do go like back and forth about if I want kids. Sometimes I overthink things. Maybe I need to just go with it. I was fine. You know, I was living my life, traveling, doing things I want to. And then when Jordan came along, I brought him along with me. So,
1: right. So well, it sounds like, you know, you didn't really think too hard or overthink this decision to. Pursue adoption of your nephew.
2: Like that just kind of became easy for me. Yeah, that that was very easy for me. Cause like I say, I bonded with Jordan um, when he was born. He was in the incubator for like the first five months of his life. We didn't get to hold him until he was like five months. So I would go to the hospital basically every day. They thought I was his mom. I'll just put it that way, because I was there. And it was ironic because I used to volunteer at the hospital that he was born at. And I, in a million years, thought that I would be coming back uh, to that hospital, you know, seeing my blood, my nephew up in there. You you used the word blood twice now.
0: And... (laughs) I think even from the adoptee perspective, we we talk about this connection to blood, right? And the feeling that you get from it. And it's completely blowing my mind that this little baby was like, Titi, that's you? Like from the little, (laughs) little. And that connection, that is Mm -hmm. such a chance encounter like Sandra was saying, but... I keep going back to this connection of relatives, or kin, whatever it is that we want to call it. And it sounds like you're compelled. Like I'm getting ready to adopt my nephew, period, point blank. This is what I'm going to do. This is what I have to do. You know, yeah. the thoughts around people that are
2: like, mm, can't do it. Can't. Well, you know, I I, I can't, Speak for for everybody, because sometimes blood is is not good. It's some families (laughs) that, (laughs) (laughs) baby, you know, you don't even need to (laughs) listen. (laughs) I I, I know that too. Okay, you know, let's be real. I know so many adults that have come out better not being with their family. That's my take on it. You know, sometimes it's best not to be raised by your blood.
1: That's real. And we got to be okay with that. I think sometimes people are so quick to just jump to, you know, Ken should step in, they should step up, step up for your family, but that's not always ideal. And we always go back to the uh, conversation that we had in season one with Christopher Lamarck and his whole experience of being in and out of the system and being placed with family who, who abused him. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, your blood, that that is not always the move.
2: Yes, I try to look at things from uh, other people's perspective, you know, because I gotta tell people, you know, we, we can't tell nobody else's story. Even though Jordan's my nephew, I cannot tell uh, the rest of his story because he's gonna go through things he's going to have questions that I don't have an answer to because it, and it's sad to say, because like his mom last year, she was murdered. Mm -hmm. So we're still, I'm still dealing with this grief, even though she wasn't in his life every day, he bonded with her. He knew his mom. When we saw him, saw her, we stopped, you know, it's not like, Oh, I'm auntie and you can't see your child. You know, if we see you, we gonna play like, you know, it wasn't like that. Cause like I said, I could never, um, replace his mom. No matter how good of a job that I think I'm doing, he's just gonna have issues. Like right now, we're dealing with he's he's grieving. Mm-hmm. You know, I got him counseling. You know, he he talks a lot about it because we didn't lost some people within our own family that he was close to. So it's it's just it's it's a lot, you know. And and I I think about that. So I be trying to prepare myself now, but I don't think I can ever be prepared for that. He's going to, he's have a story to tell, you know, as well.
1: And I appreciate you even saying that because a lot of times you don't get to hear the story from the adoptee, especially if they're a child, you always Mm -hmm. have your parent. Or the person who is the guardian, they're telling that story and they're sharing on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. And you never get to hear that child's story from the child. So I just appreciate you even recognizing that that's important for him to be able to share his story, how he wants to share it, when he wants to share it. I'm curious, how do you support each other? So support yourself, but also support him, especially in those early years of bringing him into your home, into your family. What was the support system like for you?
2: Well, I got blessed. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I, and I use that word. Uh, I got blessed because when I went to get him from the foster family, their one request was, please don't take him out of our lives. And I honor that because they had Jordan from 18 months to, he was, he was four when he came with me. He was going to be fired like 30 days later. So they did a lot of work in Jordan to where he was at when he came with me. And the agency, a children's place, they have a wonderful support system. Even after adoption, I still have relation. Ships and connections with the agencies because they they're awesome. That's all I can say. Is children plays rock. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, it, it's like a family. It's not like oh, let me go in this place. And they they actually make you feel like family. You can call on them if it's services you need. They're there. If you need to talk, they're there. Because when I uh, at and and I was like, you know, I was going back and forth. He'll be at school and I didn't took off work at home just to, you know, get myself together because my life changed. Changed. I went from going to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning to 8.30 you know, p.m. <laughs> <laughs> All going to bed at the same time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm like, you know, whoa. And then I was trying to do everything myself because he's with me. I have to protect him. I don't want no, none, nobody to hurt him, you know, so I was trying to do everything. And someone tell me they say, look, you you need support. You you can't do this all by yourself, you know? And that's when I started reaching out, you know, when I, when I need a breather, you know, like his foster family, it's like, he's never left. They call almost every day. He's over there most weekends. He's over there for Thanksgiving. They be like, you know, are y'all doing anything? Can he come over? I'm like, sure, he can come over. Mm-hmm. It's like it, he never left, and and we don't uh, really use the word foster. He called him the siblings, his brothers and sister, and he actually called his foster mom. He called her mom, you know, mm-hmm. but he called his mom mom, you know. So like, yeah, even say that again, cause I want to hear the the little accent, cause it's like mom and his mom, like say again. He, he called his mom mom, okay, but the, his foster mom, he called her mom.
1: Ma, <laughs> and then your mom, T. Yeah, I love and see children. They're so smart. Like they know how to. Like they know what things are. We try to keep so many things from children, or not mm-hmm. include them in on conversations. But they they understand the nuances. He understands placement in me.
2: Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. And and another thing that helped me because I was in the field of uh, education for about fifteen years. So I started out like in child care centers, then I worked my way, you know, working at charter schools. I never worked for CPS, just like charter schools. And so my specialty was like age three to five. And Jordan, like I said, he came to me when he was four. So like all, I I went into teacher mode, you know, even now I still am. When I see he's falling short, I'm jumping in. You know, when I see he needs some extra support, you know, I advocate for him. He's in a, a good school. The school is awesome. You know, the staff, I don't want to say the name of his school, but they rock too, you know, and that's why I use the word connected with the best people. (laughs) You you know, when that saying when they say you're blessed by the best. Mm -hmm. And and that's something that I truly believe.
1: I feel like you've been kind of like life in some ways prepared you for this like your background as an educator and just having you you know walking down the street and you walk into him like life just kind of ordered your steps really
2: yeah yeah and because I I am a woman of faith you know I I let people know that and the ones that know me they know what I stand for I'm not saying I'm perfect because <laughs> you know, we all make mistakes. We all do it, then. and and I don't never want to no one think all, think that because when I because I talk to a lot of youth too, and the first thing I tell them is I'm not perfect, but let me tell you what worked for me, or let me tell you what happened. This happened to me. Just try to redirect them because sometimes when we're in it, we don't see it. You know, it takes someone that's been, been through it. So, I have a question for you
0: just for your consideration. So, we talked about this distinction that Jordan is able to make, like just with Ma and, and Monty. What are your thoughts on him associating himself with the term adopted? Do you ever think that he should say, I'm adopted? Because he doesn't like foster, we're not going to do the foster thing, mm-hmm. like with the siblings. But what's your thought around him saying, I'm black and
2: adopted? You know, if that's comfortable for him, because Jordan has stated before that he's adopted. Hmm. You know, so he he knows he has stated that. And I don't try to correct him because, like I said, Jordan is standing in those shoes. I wasn't adopted. You know, so I, I can't like really answer the question because I, I haven't walked in those shoes. Hmm. You know, but he do make it known that he's adopted. It's not something that's like he's he's ashamed. He said, I live in my auntie, my auntie adopted me. You know, he he let people know it, he's not like wondering why he live with me and don't live with his mom. You know, one time he did bring it up um, when he was about seven, and I I explained to him. I just I told him, you know, because I'm not never going to say anything bad about his mom, nothing. So I I just told him, you know, that at the time that she she couldn't take care of him, you know, and I I leave it at that. I don't get into details because like I said at the end of the day, that was his mom and she still is his mom. Mm -hmm.
0: I just got to give you the snaps up for (laughs) just really (laughs) allowing for, Mm -hmm. you know, Jordan to have autonomy and agency over his life because that's so crucial from a young age. Mm -hmm. I think even as we were starting off this conversation around kinship adoption, It is really just important for individuals to know if your child going with a relative, you're an adopted individual and our families aren't talking about it in that way. It really is more like, oh, if you were adopted by a stranger, that's adoption, right? But when you're coming with your your blood, it's the same thing too. It just looks different. So it's just a different type and we should be open to have a conversation about that.
2: I believe it's time to have these conversations because I recall like back, I'm a seventies baby, you know, like we didn't know about adoption. It's like next thing you know, your cousin just lived with you Mm
1: all.
2: It wasn't like your cousin was took from your, from her mom or something. Now when I think about it, it's kind of like they was adopted into the family, just not legally. Mm -hmm. Yeah,
1: like that's that, that's what it is. There's so many examples, you know, like black adoption. That's kind of how they they've coined it. It's like that is black adoption. Like your cousin or whomever, they just live here now. They not they not going home. <laughs> like we yeah. don't even think of it as adoption, but to Samantha's point, it is because that child is still experiencing. Loss and trauma, and they're gonna be dealing with that as they grow up. So it's all under that umbrella. But you know, us as black people, we gonna we gonna figure out what to what to call it.
2: Yeah. And it's actually a book. I believe it was called "Some Children Live with Grandma." It's a book, and it it shows some children live with aunties, some children live with just uh, a grandma, some live with grandma and grandpa. And I ran across that book uh, before I got joy, and I was working at a childcare center, and I'm like, "Huh?" I said, that's a nice book." It's on Google. You can do right again. Yeah. You can't okay see the goosebumps. Again, like, this is just
1: all these coincidences that you know, obviously,
2: because there are no coincidences. Everything was falling in place. I just didn't know. It. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you were the last to know. <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> I I will say this, too, that it takes a village um, to raise, I think, any child. You know, but to raise Jordan, he's full of energy. Once you meet him, you you never forget him. It's something about him. He's he's always happy. The only time he's not happy, smiling or laughing, is when he's not feeling good. And that that keeps me going. I, I do have moments where, you know, I'm going through some things that I'm going through. And it's like he you know, he'll come knock on my door. Auntie, you okay? I'm like, I'm like, yeah, nephew, I'm good, I'm good. He'd be like, all right, love you, and slam my door. <laughs> oh slam my door, and I'm like, oh my god, why did he slam the door? People be like, you know, he he's a boy, he's a boy. I recall one time we was in the grocery store, and he was just like, in this out, and I'm trying to uh, grocery shop, trying to watch him, and. I guess the look on my face, this lady, she looked, she say, I got one at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy children. Some oh, I say, you know, I say thank you because sometimes I feel like I'm alone. <laughs> but I just thank God for the village. It's not a big village, but it's the right village. And I, I thank him for that.
1: That's key. That's key. What <laughs> advice do you have? for people who might be presented with an opportunity to take in their kin and it's just very unexpected. They might be walking down the street or get, get a phone call in the middle of the night and that changes your life in that instance. What advice do you have from your experience just being able to kind of just jump
2: right in and go with the flow? My advice to anyone is if you can, do it. Because I think sometimes we forget that tables turn. Life, one minute we up, one minute we down. It could be you and your child in that situation. I, I can get the call from the agency saying, you know, I have your cousin and child here. Are you willing to accept the child? Yes. You know, yes. Now, if you know you got some things that ain't right, it's not a healthy environment. The environment is toxic. Don't do it. Because you, you're gonna create trauma on top of trauma. And I believe that children need stable environments. They have to feel wanted. Even like as adults, we sometimes we go through things like in relationship. We may want someone they don't wanna, you know, and 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 I tell people all the time about me working with kids, I have always treated them like adults because they grow up. People forget that that. Children grow up. So my thing, I just try to nurture, love on them. You know, if I got to go to the other side, you know, I got to go to the other side. it's (laughs) It's about finding balance. And the earlier we start with them, I think the better chance we got of them being productive and successful in life. I love
1: that. I love that. I'm curious because I'm not a mother, I'm not a parent, but I am an auntie and I feel like as an auntie that gives me some certain liberties. I can show up, I can be fun, <laughs> we can hang out and then I'm sorry, I can girl. send you home, peace, wow. deuces. What was it like for you <laughs> trying to balance, now I'm the parent, but I'm also, I'm your auntie. Like, I want to be fun, but I still need to discipline. Did you have any challenges with that?
2: Yes, and I still do. Today we had challenges. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes, it's, it's, yes, we have challenges. And sometimes it's me, and I'm going to say this, Jordan's 10. He he let me know when, auntie, I need a break from you. <laughs> you I didn't you know, expect that. And, and I do. So I say, I say, oh, you need to be like, yeah, I'm going to call my mom. I'm going to call my mom help. I say, all right. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I, I know me. I'm a woman. Sometimes I get a little off, you know, or whatever. But w- what it is, is that when I, it is times that I have been wrong. And I call my auntie like, auntie, oh. And she's like, now, you know you need know, to go back in the and I do. First time I held my head down, I went. By, I was like, "Nephew, sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you." You know, I, I should have, could have, wouldn't. He sometimes he uh, looked the other way, <laughs> and then sometimes he was like, "It's okay, Auntie." I I know, I know, I know you love me because I tell him all the time, you know, that I love him because I want him to know that I, I do explain to him when he in trouble. I do explain to him. Why he shouldn't have did it.
0: And it sounds like typical normal parenting. Mm-hmm. So just because a child um, was either placed for adoption or just because uh, the child's parents weren't uh, able to see right by them or what have it has nothing to do with the child. As you talked about earlier, that love, that support, that nurturing, accountability, limit setting, okay. <laughs> boundaries, all those things, productive citizens right. with less trauma to deal with. Not zero, but less, like less.
2: Less, yeah. And 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 I believe too, I don't want to wait till Jordan get 14, 15, trying to set these boundaries, you know, trying to tell him uh, about life. I'd rather do it now because he'll have the tools that he needs. Sometimes I don't think he hear me, but it might be clicking. You know, a light my God, he might find himself in a situation and he remembers. So I'm just feeding him, feeding him to make sure that he has what he needs. Because like in our house, we believe in God. You know, we pray. We, we go to church when we can because COVID been going on. But I also let him know he knows about the world because I can't have him just knowing all about God and don't know nothing about this world and get out here and get knocked all upside his head.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, so I, that, that's, again, with the balance. I, I always tell him everybody is not your friend. Everybody's not going to like you. Because One time he had a situation where somebody didn't want to play with him, I said, Jordan, that's, that's fine. They have that right to not want to play with you. I say, but who do want to play with you? You go with who want to play with you. Don't worry about who don't want to play with you. You know, and that's something that I hope he carried through life because you can't force nobody, you know, to be your friend. You know, and don't you do nothing trying to be their friend. Deal with who wants to deal with you. That's the bottom line. Listen,
1: that's the message for adults. <laughs> <laughs> be so worried about this person ain't like my post, they don't like me. Like, who does, yeah. who is liking the post?
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, two feet tall, half of the people don't like themselves. So
1: that part, well,
2: you know, just keep it real. <laughs>
1: podcast mic
2: just <laughs> <laughs> that part. well
0: Tanya we really want to thank you for going black to the beginning with us this evening it has been nothing but a pleasure talking to you letting all of your knowledge and experience set on me I don't know about you Sandra but even hearing about just all of the a serendipity, if you will, of yes, your yes. situation, it even gives me some resolve. When you're an adoptee and it's kind of like you question, why did this happen? Why did that happen? It was supposed to happen yes. to us. And it was supposed to happen for you to be this parent, you know, to
2: your nephew. So I wanna thank you for that. I think that provides some healing as well. Well, well I, I thank you all. I thank you for just letting me speak and share my story because I didn't think I was doing nothing. You know, I'm like, hey, this is my nephew. Let me get my nephew. But God, sometimes he, he sends people to reassure me that, hey, you did the right thing. And it's times that I need his help because it, it it can get overwhelming because I had to remember. I say, oh, man, why are you? One day I was like, Jordan, why you can't? You know, do this, do this. And my mother told me something before. She said, Tanya, everybody don't think like you. And that helped me to calm myself down, you know, because everybody does not think like us.
1: And this is a new experience. This is your first time living through this. This is Jordan's first time living through this. So you have to have grace and compassion with yourself. He has to have you know, grace and compassion with himself, with you and you with him. This is a new experience for both of y'all. So yes. just commending you and yeah, definitely ha- have that grace.
2: Okay. Thank you. I'm gonna listen to you. <laughs>
1: Thank you for listening to another episode of Black to the Beginning, the Black Adoption Podcast with Dr. Sam and Sandria. If you want more Black to the Beginning, follow at Black to the Beginning and hashtag Black and Adopted on Instagram, Facebook, and
0: YouTube. If you would like to share your Black adoption experience, check out our Instagram at Black to the Beginning and click the link in our bio. Remember, The
1: black adoption conversation is the black family conversation. These discussions can be difficult, but necessary for generational healing. Let's keep the conversation going for the culture.